0: Hi, I'm Isabelle Bissepierre. I'm a legal manager, trademark products, and digital department for Group Seb, and you are listening to IP Fridays.
1: Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from. In-house or private practice, novice or expert, we will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools and much more.
2: Welcome to episode 69 of IP Fridays, our Christmas issue. So first of all, I want to wish you Merry Christmas, a happy holiday season, happy Hanukkah, and have a really successful year 2017. I think we have real treats for you today. We have an interview with Isabelle Bisset-Pierre, who is legal manager digital products and trademarks for Group SEP and is responsible for trademarks like Emsa, Roventa, Tefal, Krups, And we talk about enforcement of trademarks, designs and patents in China. Also, Trisha Wolpe of Barnes & Thornburg uh, tells us more about new regulations for website takedown notices in the US. But before we jump into all of this, I have a short story about the Rubik's Cube uh, that you all may know. The European Court of Justice has just rendered a new decision on 10th of November 2016. If you want to read more and detailed about it, uh, the case number is C-30 15P. And as you may be aware, the patents of, uh, for the Rubik's, Rubik's Cube have been filed about 40 years ago and of course are expired a long time ago. And the British company Seven Towns has filed a 3D trademark for the Rubik's Cube. And um, the competitor Zimba Toys has tried to challenge that three-dimensional trademark with the EU IPO and was not successful uh, up to the uh, Boards of Appeal. So they went to the Court of First Instance which also found the trademark to be registrable and then they took the last chance to go to the European Court of Justice and the European Court of Justice reversed uh, the prior decisions. As you may know, a three-dimensional trademark in Europe can be cancelled if it is just representing a technical functionality and the previous instances were of the opinion that just the graphical representation of the three-dimensional trademark can be used to determine whether the three-dimensional shape is just uh, caused by the technical uh, functionality, but um, the European Court of Justice decided that also further information can be used to determine whether the three-dimensional shape is just of technical character and um, so they decided to uh, reverse the case. New US regulations are now in effect to register an agent to receive website takedown notices and Trisha Volpe from Barnes Thornburg has the details.
3: The new regulations went into effect on December 1st and include a fee reduction to register an agent under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or the DMCA. Under the law, the U.S. Copyright Office has to maintain a current directory of agents that have been designated by online service providers to receive notifications of claimed infringement. But since the law was enacted in 1998, providers have designated agents by paper, literally sending in a form. The Copyright Office would then scan the form and post it online. Well, the Copyright Office has overhauled its system and everything is electronic now. As a result, the regs have been updated, service providers can more efficiently submit their designation forms and the public can more easily search for designated agent information. Another big change? The registration fee was $105 under the old system, it's now $6. Also important, the electronic system will fully replace the paper-based system. That means service providers that previously submitted a designation by paper will have to re-register electronically by December 31st of next year. For more information on other changes, go to the Copyright Office website at copyright.gov. Reporting for IP Fridays, I'm Trisha Volpe.
2: Thank you, Trisha. It's always a treat to have you on the show, especially on Christmas. Now, let's head into the interview with Isabelle Bisset-Pierre about enforcement of trademarks, patents and designs in China. I'm very excited to be joined by Isabelle Bisset-Pierre today. Um, If you don't know who Isabelle is, um, she is a legal manager, digital products and trademarks for Group ZEP in uh, beautiful Equili. And uh, she's, for example, responsible for trademarks like Tefal, Moulinex, Roventa, Krups and Emsa. Thank you for being on the show, Isabel.
0: Thank you, Rolf. Um, I'm the legal manager for uh, Trademark uh, Products and Digital within GroupSeb. We are one of the four departments composing the legal department of GroupSeb, which is led by Philippe Schumer, the vice president legal of GroupSeb. And in my department, we'll deal with trademark law, design patent law, copyright and IP litigations whatever the IP right, meaning I deal with invention patent litigations, trademarks, design patent litigations. And as the name of uh, my department indicates, uh, we also deal with data privacy. Um, in parallel, uh, Geraldine Guerijac. The patent director of Group Zeb deals with um, patent prosecution. So uh, when my team works on invention patent litigations, we closely work together with the patent team. So our uh, digital products trademarks department is composed of four lawyers specialized in IP and data privacy and five IP assistants. And so. In Group Seb, we manage a portfolio of around uh, 12,000 trademarks and design patents all, over, all around the world, and our portfolio regularly grows due to acquisitions. And we made recently an acquisition, uh, the acquisition of Ebmsa, for example. And so when we have major brands of international dimension like Tifo, Roventa, or Krups, or Molinex. And also we manage local brands like uh, SEB, uh, Calor in France, or Arno in Brazil, for example. So um, we are organized like an IP law firm, meaning we are conducting trademark searches, clearance searches by ourselves in um, many databases. And we are writing by ourselves risk analysis And with the help, of course, of some local IP law firms, as we are not, of course, specialized in Japanese law, for example, or US law. And we find directly trademark and design applications before EUIPO, for example, or WIPO, French trademark office. And we have an international network of IP law firms in many countries. And so we deal also with IP litigations with our network of law firms all, all around the world.
2: We both uh, recently discussed uh, enforcement against counterfeit goods and most of these counterfeit goods originate in China. Can you briefly let our listeners know more about your strategy, how to enforce your IP rights against counterfeit goods in China?
0: Yeah, um Indeed, we mostly find counterfeit goods in China and as you can imagine, we usually find most of our trademarks, design and invention patents in China. And for very important trademarks, design and invention, we also have them registered to the Chinese customs. And so my team and I usually go to China twice a year in Guangzhou. Guangzhou um, is also named Canton, Canton uh, in the south of uh, China. And we usually go to the Guangzhou fair twice a year. Uh, this is a huge fair uh, with, with five big holes dedicated to small domestic appliances. So I would say that buyers from the whole world—U.S., South America, Middle East, Europe, Russia—go to do their shopping at this fair, and this is the opportunity for us to find copies of our products offered by Chinese manufacturers or traders. So when I talk about copies, I mean that we, you, we can find copies, trademark copies, um, design pattern copies, and. Uh, more and more invention patent copies for, of course, patents uh, which are visible at first glance during the fair. So in this fair, um, there is an IPO office um, for patent and design disputes and another administrative board, which is called AIC, for trademarks disputes. And so when we are in Guangzhou Fair, we work of course, very closely with our Chinese IP law firm and with investigators um, who uh, go to the booths uh, to pick up information relating to the copies, relating to the manufacturers, the price, the place of manufacturing, and so on. And um, Guangzhou Fair, I would say, is the very beginning of the story for us, because um, the the work, uh, now, is after the fair. After Guangzhou fair, we, uh, with the information we managed to get, uh, we conduct um, investigations. And so also we try to get um, samples uh, to have proofs of the infringement, because as you may imagine, in, in our area, many um, products are manufactured in China but sold outside the Chinese market and all the products are intended to be exported abroad. So for important products, uh, what we are doing is, uh, once we have enough information after investigations, we uh, seize uh, the containers uh, at the Chinese customs, Um, to get uh, proofs of the infringement and of course you may imagine that if we do a preservation of property with the customs you have to pay the whole container and to pay quite expensive bonds Uh, but this is a way to put a maximum pressure on the infringer. What is also um, important is before uh, uh, finding civil lawsuits in China, uh, is to conduct, I would say, for particularly for design patent and for invention patent, uh, is to conduct novelty search for design and stability analysis for invention patent in parallel. And also, to it's important to have an infringement analysis. Because since, I would say, um, five uh, years, uh, Chinese manufacturers defend themselves more and more and they do not hesitate to challenge the validity of your design invention patent. So um, I've I've been working uh, on IP matters in China for almost 15 years and I noticed an evolution. When I began in 2002, um, we found many trademark copies, trademarks TIFL, uh mostly, um, and uh, we um, did a lot of actions. So now we found less and less trademark copies. They, we still have some files, but uh, the number of files is less important. And uh, we also used to find many carbon copies of our design. And uh, now, I would say, the the and, and also uh, at this times, we did a lot of administrative actions in China, IPO actions, uh, meaning administrative actions for design and invention patent, and AIC actions uh, in different provinces for trademarks. Now, we almost do not have any more administrative actions, and we mainly file civil lawsuits. Um, things became more complicated, as uh, now the designs are not really carbon copies. Chinese manufacturers brought some changes to the design, but not enough to change the overall impression, which remains similar to our design, and they also infringe more and more invention patterns. So most of our litigation uh, now are civil lawsuits and in, in China, and with quite long proceedings. And so when we file a civil lawsuit for patent infringement or design patent, um, we are quite sure now for very important files that Chinese manufacturers will also file an invalidation action before the patent for Examination Board uh, to try to invalidate uh, our designs and our patents, and so this is why um, it is really I advise uh, to attack if you are sure that you have a, a good quality design patent top or, or, or patent. Quick actions now are do not exist anymore, I would say, and we also can stress that Chinese manufacturers. Um, which is a good point, Um, always like settling uh, the disputes in China. Uh, And this is encouraged by Chinese judges as the number of IP disputes in China increase a lot, really. And so when we settle, this is the opportunity for us. Um, to ask for the destructions of the moulds and destructions of the remaining stocks in the settlement agreement. And the destroy, destruction of the moulds is not really something that you can get with a Chinese judgment. So the opportunity to settle may give you... Uh, more opportunity to uh, achieve your goal, which is really to destroy the molds. Um, because also I would like to stress that damages in China are not very high um, for us, um, because we, for, for many products, we do not sell them in China, on Chinese market. And also manufacturers uh, produce copies for, uh, to export them abroad and not to sell them on Chinese market. So this is the evolution I have uh, from the early 20s till now. Um, it's more complicated, I would say, uh, but still possible but, uh, you, to, to act in China and to fight counterfeiting.
2: And um, nowadays, uh, counterfeit goods are often sold not only on trade fairs like direct sales, but also online marketplaces like Alibaba and Taobao or eBay Hong Kong. W- what are you doing about counterfeit goods on these markets?
0: Yes, this is a good question. Um, so uh, we decided uh, some years ago to use um, a services provided by uh, Mac Monitor. And so um, we receive uh, from Mark Monitor regular reports. Uh, showing um, uh, potential copies of our um, trademarks. So we use MarkMonitor f- for trademarks, not for design and invention, of course. Uh, so we, we receive regular reports showing potential copies of trademarks on different marketplaces, uh, Taobao, Alibaba, for example. And so we use the services of um, MarkMonitor to send Uh, warning letters, for example. And also, uh, we work closely with our Chinese law firm to watch this marketplace for key products and to send warning letters and even sometimes to go further, to investigate, to try to find the source and to get proofs and file uh, civil lawsuits afterwards. And also, we have information from business people, from our marketing, commercial teams internally, and we also draft by ourselves warning letters that we uh, send to uh, this marketplace, for example.
2: Right, so you mentioned that you are also trying to find the source of the counters. um So you are trying to also eliminate the sources um, to find out where the goods are manufactured. You also mentioned that you are trying to destroy the molds. Yes,
0: yes. Mm. Um, the, the findings of the source of the manufacture, of the counterfeiting is uh, a key for us um, because, you know, uh, the products are... Sold and manufactured in China and sold in many countries. And so, um, what is important, uh, rather than filing many lawsuits in many countries, uh, which is really time-consuming and also very very expensive, um, uh, we try really to um, stop the source of the counterfeiting um, in China, where the products are manufactured. Sometimes to to put more pressure um, it it has already happened we file lawsuits in china after investigations against the manufacturer and we also file some lawsuits against the importers either in Europe it uh, it it happened and it um, it 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 put more pressure on on the on the chinese manufacturer because he's attacked in china and its clients are attacked also
2: Interesting. So um, it's sometimes difficult to find the source, but uh, you seem to have found a system to find uh, sources of the counterfeit goods.
0: Yeah, um, we 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 work with a, a Chinese law firm, which is very efficient and which has uh, many um, investigators and also um, so they help us a lot finding uh, the 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 information. Uh, the right manufacturer. We, we we managed to get interesting information relating to the source. So it's, they're very efficient.
2: We um, mostly talked about trademarks so far. Um, what is your experience enforcing patents, for example, or designs in China?
0: Um, so d- designs and patents, I would say that now um, the most of our litigations Uh, relate to design patent and invention patent. Um, So um, what is key for us is to be sure that we have strong uh, titles, strong patents, uh, not easily uh, invalidated. So we um, work a lot and, and uh, on, on the fact, well, to show that the, the novelty of the invention is good, that the novelty of the design patent is good, that inventive step uh, is okay also for invention patent. Uh, because then when we file a civil lawsuit, uh, we are quite sure that we will be challenged, that the validity of our titles will be challenged. So. This is a a prerequisite. We have to be sure that our IP rights are quite stable. And and then uh, it's a a matter of um, um, proof also uh, before filing a civil lawsuit. And um, I would say also that uh, in China, you have the uh, legal reasoning and you have also the network and so what just I wanted to say that uh, the, um, there are there is a lot of low-being China it's part of the game and if the the adverse party knows has a good networking even if you're um, from a strictly legal point of view your file is good uh, you are, you always have to be aware that uh, networking can do can do harm okay, so it's part of the gaming
2: yes so. <laughs> okay yeah this has been a really nice interview with you um, if people want to learn more about you and your IP strategy where can they get best in touch with you?
0: Oh, I think uh, they can use um, LinkedIn they can um, um, send uh, ask me questions and I will be happy to answer to them
2: well, thank you very much for being on the show
0: uh, you're welcome Rolf thank you Thank you very much.
1: That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail you have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays the views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms none of the content should be considered legal advice the IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.